I've been having a lot of fun going back through older episodes of Monster Kid Radio and checking out some of the bands that I've played over the years. Now, there are some bands that have only appeared once or twice in Monster Kid Radio's catalog, and I'd like to correct that by going back and checking out some of these bands and resurrecting some of their albums, so to speak. Not that they went anywhere, they've always been available at Bandcamp, but in this case, I'm going back to a band called Grand Rojo. They are a surf band based out of Eugene, Oregon. They describe themselves as a brutal surf rock band, too fast for love, too loud, and too old. The song is called Down and Out, and it's from their self-titled album, Grand Rojo. That's G-R-A-N-R-O-J-O. You can find them over at grandrojo.bandcamp.com. Go check them out. Let them know that you heard about them here on Monster Kid Radio when you're done listening to episode... 560, 560 episodes of the podcast devoted to the classic and sometimes not so classic genre cinema of yesteryear. I'm your writer, host, producer, Derek M. Cook. Welcome to the show. Now, I know I said last week I had no idea what I was talking about this week on the show, and I really went into the beginning of this week having no idea. I didn't book anything over the weekend. I didn't have anybody lined up to record. I still have a recording session I need to go in and edit, but that's going to take several hours. So what was I going to do this week? And then I found out that the Joy Cinema was bringing back Weird Wednesday, kind of. And we'll talk a little bit about the Weird Wednesday experience, because that's what we're doing this week here on the show. I went to Weird Wednesday. I brought my portable recorder. Old school, man. It's just like we used to back in the day. I didn't even bring a lavalier mic or anything like that. I just had my Zoom recorder and I was showing it back and forth between my face and the face of Jeff Polaire, who was there as well. What movie did we view? Well, it was called Planet of the Dinosaurs. And while we do talk a little bit about it, really, this episode is less about the movie and more about the experience of going to the movie. It was fun. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And you know what? Don't worry. I know this is a little bit different, but we still have some of your regular touchstones your familiar uh, voices, so to speak, with Kenny's look at Famous Monsters of Filmland and Mark Batsky's Beta Capsule Review. Plus, I'm kind of tweaking how we do feedback here on the show. We're going to have a Monster Kid Radio mail call. You know what? Why don't we dive into that here now? It's time. It's time. Yes, it's time. It's, it's time, time for Monster Kid, Kid Radio, Radio Mail Call. We did receive an email from a friend of the show. He's been on the show repeatedly. He turns up in the Monster Kid Movie Club and the Monster Kid Astronomy slash Sci-Fi slash Cliffhanger Club. It's Tom Greganis from Go Forth and Game, and this is his email. Hi, Derek. I just wanted to give some quick feedback on a couple of the most recent episodes. The Alien Factor. I had read about this in Famous Monsters years ago. The pictures of the aliens were fantastic and made me really want to see it, but it never popped up on TV or landed at our local movie house. So I'm glad I heard you were covering it. It reminded me that I need to see it. Thank goodness for YouTube. I found it and finally got to watch it. I enjoyed it. I agree with you that the DIY aspect is really appealing. The story is good. Not great, but good. The acting is, as you said, weak but the effects are super fun. The aliens are well done for a low budget effort and the twist at the end was welcome all in all worth seeing. Curse of the Undead. I was really curious about this one. 
Universal by 1959. Vampires and Cowboys, an interesting experiment. Little known cast. Very interesting. So I lucked out as it was on Tubi when you were covering it on the show. I was pleasantly surprised. It was well shot and had a good story. The acting was solid. I particularly liked Michael Pate as the gunslinger slash vampire. There was enough mystery as to who was the vampire at the beginning to keep me interested. I liked that they played with the vampire tropes and origin. This was a nice find. Thanks for inspiring me to watch these. Both were fun. Thank you, Kenny, for the famous Monsters of Filmland coverage. Thank you, Mark, for the Ultraman coverage. Thank you, Derek, for MKR, your monster friend, Tom. You know, the more time that passes between the time that I watched it and then talked about it on the show and, well, now, the alien factor just keeps climbing up higher and higher on my enjoyment list. I really had a good time with it. I, I don't know what my deal was when I first sat down to watch it and I had problems with it, like I talked about in that episode with Steve Turek, but... The second time I went back to it, when I finally sat down to give it a watch, wow. How cool was that? It is such a neat movie. And I'm sure part of my love for it is being more amplified by the love that everybody else has for it. For example, Joe Sherlock was in the Monster Kid Movie Club chat room the other day, and we were talking about The Alien Factor. This happens to be one of his favorite films as well. Joe Sherlock has been on the show in the past. We talked about The Four Schools of Jonathan Drake. Plus, he's an independent filmmaker up here in Oregon and a friend of mine. So to hear him talk about how the alien factor inspired him, well, it gets me thinking even more highly about the movie. I know exactly what it is. The warts and all, the zippers, the fishing line, you know, whatever you want to say about DIY films. I dig it. I get it. But I dig it. And Curse of the Undead, man, you mix monsters and cowboys. Western horror, weird Western. I love that stuff. and. Eventually, I'll be writing myself a little weird Western monster horror story myself. So I'm always looking for that kind of stuff, whether it's Curse of the Undead, Billy the Kid versus Dracula, Jesse James meets Frankenstein's daughter. I'm sure there's a bunch of others that I can't think of. I know there's a lot of Mexican horror movies that mixed monsters and like singing cowboys, like Ship of Monsters. So, you know, I just I love that mix. It's two things that, you wouldn't normally put together, but when you do and you do it well, it's magic. So good. And yeah, Kenny's coverage of Famous Monsters of Filmland and Mark's Ultraman coverage, the Beta Capsule Review, these two things make Monster Kid Radio even better. Talk about mixing things up to make magic. Mixing those two guys into the mix makes Monster Kid Radio even more magical for me, and I hope that translates to the listeners as well. Tom, thank you for writing in. I always love hearing from you. I always love communicating with you and hanging out with you in the Monster Kid Movie Club. That's always a lot of fun too. And listeners, you can always keep up with Tom over on his website over at Go Forth and Game. And while I don't necessarily want to, you know, let the cat out of the bag, it's not my story to tell, whatever. I know that he says he's kind of changing some things up. Things might, you know, get mixed up a little bit. But in the meantime, follow him at Go Forth and Game. Dot com. Tom, thank you for writing in. I appreciate it. If you have any feedback for the show and you'd like to comment on something that we talked about on this episode of the podcast or any of the previous 559 episodes or anything Monster Kid movie related at all, write in or call in. You can call and leave a voicemail for Monster Kid Radio at 503-810-5MKR. That's 503 810 
1-800-227-5657. Or you can send an email to the podcast. MonsterKidRadio at gmail.com is the email address. That's MonsterKidRadio at gmail.com. Even if there's an event in your neck of the woods that you think Monster Kids might be interested in, write in and let folks know about it. You know, I want to make sure that we can spread the word. And, you know, if we can connect you with some other local Monster Kids in your area that you weren't aware of through the podcast, I'm all about that as well. So please be in touch. Also, I got some physical mail. I actually got something in the mail. Now, Monster Kid Radio doesn't have an official P.O. box or anything like that. But if somebody asks, I will give them my mailing address, especially if they want to send something in for the show. And I want to thank somebody for sending something in to the show. I didn't really clear this with him, so I don't think I'm going to mention his name, but he knows who he is. On my way home from Weird Wednesday, I stopped in my mailbox and sitting in my mail was a package from Amazon. And when I got home, I knew what it was because he had told me it was coming. It's the Santo box set. Santo El Alamascarada de Plata, the Blu-ray box set from VCI. Is it eight movies? Yeah, eight movies, eight Santo films. It is the English language dub, but I mean, they're in Blu-ray. And, you know... I'll take a really nice quality picture of Santo and my guys mixing it up with some monsters and who knows what else. Come on. This looks awesome. I haven't had a chance to dive into it yet, open it up or anything like that. I'm really looking forward to doing that, though, because this looks incredible. I mean, look at some of the titles on here. Santo and the Vengeance of the Mummy. Santo and Blue Demon versus Dr. Frankenstein. Santo and Blue Demon versus Dracula and the Wolfman. Santo versus Frankenstein's Daughter. Revenge of La Llorona. Oh, man, this has got some great stuff in it. I can't wait. Santo in the Wax Museum. This is one that I've not seen, but it's been on my to-watch list for a while because it sounds really cool. It's Santo. It's Luchadors. It's Wax Museum. Come on, man. You know that's going to be awesome. So I want to say thank you to the person who sent that to me. Like I said, I'm not going to call him out and mention his name because I didn't talk to him about this beforehand. I don't want to embarrass anybody. But I really do appreciate it, and especially since Lucha de Mayo is coming up, and I said it right this time, uh, we've got Lucha de Mayo coming up. You know I'm going to be dipping into this a little bit to see if there's something we can cover. Maybe that's Santo in the Wax Museum? Maybe? Have we talked about that yet? I don't remember. I'll have to go back and take a look and see. Bottom line, thank you. And thank you once again to Tom for writing in. And for anybody else who's interested in sending anything to Monster Kid Radio, well, drop me a line. And if it's something that you want to mail, let me know and uh, we'll get my mailing address to you and get you taken care of. Not that I'm fishing for anything. I'm just trying to make it easy. Never mind. That was the mail call. I am Dr. Lee Cushing. Welcome to my Chamber of Horrors. Dr. Cushing's Chamber of Horrors is a monster rally novel in the tradition of the classic Universal and Hammer horror film. It's written by Stephen D. Sullivan, the award-winning author of White Zombie, Daikaiju Attack, Manos the Hands of Fate, and one of the creators of the original chill role-playing game. This book recreates the thrills of the classic monster versus monster film. We've got vampires, werewolves, mummies, psychic twins, scheming madmen, plenty of unexpected chills. 
Now you can get Dr. Cushing's Chamber of Horrors in print or for Kindle at Amazon.com and other fine retailers. Coming soon in other ebook formats. Find out more at CushingHorrors.com or SDSullivan.com and support Steve's work through Patreon at PaySteve.com. I do hope you've enjoyed your visit. Please come again. And remember, the chamber is always waiting for its next victim. There was Mighty Joe Young, the creature from the Black Lagoon, King Kong, and now there is Guanji. Guanji, born 50 million years ago and bursting from the bowels of the earth today to terrorize the West. Guanji, the most mammoth monster of them all, terrifying survivor of a lost era, rampaging through a forbidden land, a land they call the Valley of Guanji. Call it amazing, fantastic, unbelievable, and call it the greatest monster movie ever. The Valley of Guanji, the strangest Western roundup ever, starring James Franciscus, Gila Golan, and Richard Carlson, from Warner Brothers' Seven Arts, in exciting Dynavision and Technicolor. The Valley of Guanji is rated G, spectacular entertainment for the whole family. Atragon, the ninth wonder of the world. Atragon, an earth mover. A flying fortress. A submarine. Atragon, technology's newest, fights all the powers of black magic. The mysterious submerged continent of Mu attacks our world. I am agent number 23 of the Mu Empire. Earthquake is not accidental. Terror panics civilization. As cataclysmic forces clash, Atragon in color. Live from the land of light in Nebula M78, home of the mighty ultra heroes, it's Monster Kid Radio's Beta Capsule Review. Max, respond. That's the title of Ultra 7, Episode 4, the name Max being a reference to the pride of the Terrestrial Defense Force fleet, the NS Max, a nuclear-powered ocean vessel to which Soga and Amagi are summoned. Behind their top-secret mission is TDF Director Takenika, who wants the Ultra Guard to help investigate a series of disappearances at sea. Meanwhile, Dan stops to assist a stranded motorist, but it's a trap. The young woman he stopped for knocks him out with a wrench and steals the Ultra Eye. Back on the NS Max, the ship reaches the spot where others have vanished, and it's levitated out of the water, enveloped in a red mist, and carried off into space. That's where it's found by Furuhashi piloting the Ultra Hawk 2. Boarding the Max, he discovers Takenika, Amagi, and Soga, who are the only surviving members of the crew. The rest were eliminated by Alien Dogala, who reveals plans to invade the Earth using the disappearance of the Max as a diversion. Furuhashi returns to base, 
but his suspicious behavior attracts Dan's attention. He follows Furuhashi to sub-level 18 of headquarters, and Dan watches in horror as his colleague transforms into Dogala. The alien encases him in a cylindrical capsule, then takes on Dan's appearance, having set a bomb to detonate the atomic reactor. In space, Amagi manages to escape the Max and make it back to Earth, but will he recover in time to warn TDF of Dogala's plot? Max Respond develops some innovative elements of Ultra 7, particularly his ability to remain human-sized and interact directly with members of the Ultra Guard. Kenji Sahara makes a welcome return to the screen as Staff Officer Takenika, and he really seems to enjoy his role, especially when he delivers the line that the NS Max is on a mission to hell with that trademark Sahara smirk. For Monster Kid Radio's Beta Capsule Review, this is Mark Mansky reporting. How did he die, man? Well, Dr. Pepper signed the certificate natural causes, but I should have thought from the look of the poor fellow that he died of fright. This is a frightened village. Here, it is wiser to close your ears to a scream in the night. In this place, even familiar things take on an odd and terrifying significance. A funeral moves under the cloak of night. But no one inquires who has died, nor why the corpses are dispatched with such desperate haste. Starring Peter Cushing as the parson who knew every secret of the night creatures. Yvonne Romaine and Oliver Reed as two young people who loved in the shadow of terror. I've always been respectful to you, haven't I? But I've had to keep my real feelings to myself until now. Patrick Allen as the courageous Captain Collier who sailed the seven seas in search of danger and found it in The Night Creatures. Discover Planet of the Apes. A civilization where humans run wild in the jungles and the superior beings are apes. Tribunal has placed you in my custody for final disposition. Do you realize what that means? No. Emasculation to begin with. Then experimental surgery on the speech centers, on the brain. Then a kind of living death. Hello there, Monster Kid Radioheads. This is Kenny with a look at Famous Monsters of Filmland. 
Today we are going to continue our series on famous monsters, low-tech social media. In part three, we are going to look at You Axed For It, Low-Tech Monstagram. In issue three of FM, which was published April of 1959, we see the first edition of this requested photo feature, which would continue for the entire run of classic famous monsters. In this first edition, which had not been announced, we see pictures with only one requester. A petition for more led to larger groups who asked for a special photograph. Let's take a look at the first photos featured. The first photo is of Kong, a publicity photo of a stack of real-sized gorillas next to him to give you an idea of his size. It was accompanied by this caption. Although I have seen King Kong many times, both at the movies and on TV, I have never been able to figure out just about what size he is. Harry Hausen. This photo ought to pretty well answer the question for you. Harry Hausen? Corny pun sent by the man himself? Or a silly fan? Or made up by Forey? Or perhaps a real name? We'll never know. After that, we have a close-up of Boris Karloff in one of his recent roles from that time. I'm extremely curious to know what Boris Karloff is going to look like in Frankenstein 1970. Do you suppose you could arrange to give us a peek? Peek all you please, pal! Next up is a photo of the lab from Bride of Frankenstein. I would like to see a good shot of a Frankenstein laboratory. Mark Klugett, here's one of the best from the monster's own scrapbook. A picture of a young fan holding a mummy mask is next. Do you have any other shots of Tim Hovey in Monsterland? That one you ran last time really sent me. Lonnie Shane. Wherever it sent you, I hope this will help you to come back, Shane. We then have a publicity pic from a classic Jack Arnold flick, with a very short man greeting the studio guard. I think he's just pulling my leg, but my boyfriend insists the man in The Incredible Shrinking Man really was shrunken. I say it was just a trick. Could you settle this argument between us? Which of us is right? Ruth M. Atheson. Well, Ruth, they say seeing is believing, and truth is stranger than fiction. As for your boyfriend pulling your leg, tell him to stop being so fresh. A young classic actor greets us in the next photo. Claude Rains has always been a favorite of mine. I would like to see a still of what he looked like for the few moments he was visible at the end of The Invisible Man. Laura Jean Irmine. I'm not sure such a photo exactly exists, but this should be about the next best thing to it. A picture of the young Mr. Raines as he appeared in The Mystery of Edwin Drood. An interesting picture of Christopher Lee standing before a large photo of his Frankenstein monster is next. Your first issue stated that in The Curse of Frankenstein, the monster had one eye in the British version, two in America, and four in Japan. Could you show us the English and Japanese monsters? Walter Ernesting. Sorry, no, not at the present time. But here is one where the monster plainly has a third eye embedded beneath his left eye and over his cheekbone. Last but not least, a humorous candid taken at a Hollywood party featuring one of our favorites. I am a Bella Lugosi fanatic. Would you have a candid shot of him taken sometime in the last years of his life? Kay Anderson. Can do. Your editor was present when this photo was taken at the premiere of House of Wax. Bela caused quite a stir when he arrived with his old pal from Murders in the Rue Morgue on the chain. 
It is fun to go through the many years of You Axed For It to see the rare photos and look for famous monster kids in the requester list. One of my favorites is from FM21 from February 1963. A stop motion satyr in a cool pose is the picture. Let's see who asked for it. For Dennis Muir, Donald Glutt, Mark McGee, Tim Dellenbeck, David Allen, Ray Craig, and others especially interested in stop-motion monsters, this towering terror is seen again as he set forth at the bidding of Pendragon, the evil magician, to menace Jack, the giant killer. A 1962 release in Technicolor and Fantascope. Recognize any of those names? Let me help. Mark McGee went on to help with the famous DIY classic Equinox and wrote and acted in the movies into the 90s. David Allen was a well-known animator who brought life to various creatures from 1970 through 1996 in films like The Crater Lake Monster, Laser Blast, The Howling, and Caveman. Dennis Muren was an integral part of the special effects house Industrial Light and Magic, starting with a little film called Star Wars. He racked up six Oscars and numerous other awards and nominations as he quietly continued his prolific special effects career. And Donald Glutt, a prolific writer, dinosaur, and Frankenstein expert, and DIY independent filmmaker, and most notable of all, a guest on our own Monster Kid Radio. That is all for this week's look at Famous Monsters of Filmland. We will have more soon. For MKR, this is Kenny saying adios. What is the shuddering terror that strikes deep into the minds and bodies of these residents of a remote mountain community? We're up against something here that goes against every natural law. Crater Lake Monster, a creature from the dawn of time, unleashed by a freak of nature to prey on an unsuspecting world. Out of this lake, carved in the high mountains, is spawned one of the most hideous beasts from the birth of time. Crater Lake Monster, a motion picture of unrelenting suspense, fright, and panic. Crater Lake Monster, a beast more frightening than your most terrifying nightmare. Crater Lake Monster. Prepare yourself for the horror sensation of the year, filmed in incredible new animation. Crater Lake Monster. A world-famous scientist, greatest living master of the occult, has mysteriously vanished. In his place, a huge and fearsome prehistoric monster suddenly appears. What happened to Dr. Waterman? Only one man, last to see him alive, knows. And now he finds himself in deadly peril. The weird, 
the unbelievable, the supernatural come alive before your very eyes in Equinox. The invisible barrier between good and evil, between light and the forces of darkness. What is the secret of the thousand-year-old book? See four teenage boys and girls fight a devil cult for their lives, their sanity, their eternal souls in Equinox. In supernatural color, Equinox. The past few years have been pretty rough with, well, I'll just say it, the pandemic, COVID, everything that's happened in the world, it's really made things difficult for people to get together and do the things that we like to do with our friends. And it's been really difficult on a lot of the smaller businesses that we as Monster Kids, as fans of some of this niche entertainment, you know, these smaller businesses, they really took a hit. And I know a lot of them shut down. And a lot of them had to really change their business practice. And we're incredibly lucky that so many of them did stick around like the Joy Cinema. Now, the Joy Cinema did some pretty cool things, some pretty unique things to make it through the pandemic. Now, they are up and running now. They are open. Their doors are open. But through all the pandemic, they had to do things like just sell popcorn out of the lobby, not showing movies, let people into the lobby, buy some popcorn, you know, people in one at a time, that sort of thing. They would host online Weird Wednesday screenings, which I think is pretty cool. Those were free anyway. Weird Wednesday was free, but it's just to kind of keep the community together. And I think that's the key. And I think that's the key, really, is to not just focus on bringing in enough money to keep the lights on, but to really keep that community together, especially when it's a communal experience like watching a movie. In particular, watching weird movies on Weird Wednesday at the Joy Cinema. And that's what I got a chance to do this past week. I didn't know what movie was going to play. I reached out to Jeff Punkrock Martin, the man behind the Joy Cinema, to ask because if it was something that I knew about or something I could research ahead of time, I might even be able to introduce a film for him like I used to back in the day. But he didn't know at that time what he was going to show. So I just went as a civilian. Well, kind of, sort of. I went old, old school. I didn't wear a Monster Kid Radio t-shirt. Oh, no. I wore myself a Hawaiian shirt. You know how long it's been since I've put on a Hawaiian shirt and gone off and done something monster related? It felt so good to do that. There's just some, I just love me Hawaiian shirts, man. A nice Aloha shirt. Mm. And this was a brand new Hawaiian shirt that I picked up. You ready? <laughs> five bucks. It cost me five dollars to get a Hawaiian shirt that actually fit me which is insane because I'm a bigger dude, so it usually takes more fabric and therefore more dollars. Five bucks. I got it on clearance because it's really sold more as a Halloween costume item, but hey, it's a Hawaiian shirt. Sure, it's got skulls on it. I don't care. It's a Hawaiian shirt. It felt good, and man, it felt good to be strutting around that movie theater in my Hawaiian shirt, getting ready to watch a monster movie with my fellow weirdos. Oh, that was cool. You know, so much so. That as soon as I got into the movie theater itself, I took off my jacket because I wanted to be seen wearing my Hawaiian shirt. I know that might seem kind of silly to you, but man, it's just something about it. You know, the clothes make the man or something. How many times did I used to say back in the day that I'm the guy with the Hawaiian shirt looking like he's having the most fun in the room? That's not hyperbole, man. It feels good to do that. that yeah, I'm just having a good time. Now, what made it even better is I wasn't there by myself. Jeff Polaire, who's been on the show repeatedly, and, you know, he used to do the Star Trek A Talk Time segments when we would do the Monster Kid Astronomy Club on Tuesday with me, which will be coming back sometime this year. 
Jeff and I haven't talked about it lately, but it's still something that I want to do. I miss having that live conversation with him about Star Trek, but that's probably something down the line that's going to happen. Let's talk about what happened at Weird Wednesday. I met him there as well, and, you know, we got our popcorn, we got our soda, we went into the theater, we found some nice seats, somebody sitting in front of us, stretched out, I took off my jacket. You know, it was great. Again, not knowing what we were going to watch. And then Jeff Punk Rock Martin himself plays the intro music that he plays to walk up to the stage. A little bit of 2001, Thus Spake Zarathustra, and then some other fun stuff. And he gets up there and he introduces the movie and he tells us that he's not going to tell us what the movie is either. Because it's an owner's surprise. Okay. We were about to be surprised by the movie Planet of the Dinosaurs, which is something that I had never seen before. I've talked about it with some listeners by email or by Facebook. In fact, at some point, Brian Clark and I may talk about it here on an upcoming episode of Monster Kid Radio. I say may, not because I am just considering it. I really want to do it. It's just a matter of lining up times and making the schedule work. But yeah, Planet of the Dinosaurs, which was a first time watch for me, sight unseen. So when the music started and the credits started showing and these knockoff spaceships that actually looked pretty decent, filled the screen. I had no idea what I was in for. And I had a blast. The movie quality, yeah, up and down, up and down, whatever. I had so much fun. Weird Wednesday used to be an institution at the Joy Cinema. It used to be something that happened every single week, whether he's showing some luchador movie, a Paul Nashy flick, some low-budget public domain thing that he gets his hands on, or if I bring him a Josh Kennedy or a Christopher R. Mim film, you know, it's a fun time. Unfortunately, the Joy Cinema has had to shift gears a little bit. They are no longer a second-run movie theater. In order for them to bring in the bucks, they had to start showing first-run films. Now, what does this mean for the Joy Cinema? It means that they're bringing in more money because, you know, ticket sales for first-run movies, a little bit more cash, good for them, keeps the Joy Cinema's lights on and the projector bulb lit. However, when you sign a deal with the distributors to show a first-run movie, whether it's Sing 2 or the new Spider-Man movie or who knows what else, you have to guarantee that you're going to show it so many times a week. And up until this past week, Jeff just hasn't had the space in the schedule to show a Weird Wednesday film. When I realized this, my resolve to get to Weird Wednesday increased, and I knew I had to be there because this was the first time it had happened in a long time. Who knows when it's going to happen again? I double masked. Jeff was masked. You know, everybody there was masked, including the people that worked there. Everybody was safe. The Weird Wednesday crowd rarely packs the theater to the gills, but there's enough people there to make it worthwhile when it comes to concession sales, and there is enough space between us all so we could, you know, be safe, social distancing, and all of that. Not once did I feel unsafe. Somehow, the glow of monster movies and the monster movie posters and the relatively inexpensive but really good popcorn, just the environment all made me feel comfortable and like I was where I was supposed to be, wearing what I was supposed to wear. (laughs) What did I think about the movie itself, Planet of the Dinosaurs? 
Is it anything to write home about? Well, Jeff and I did record a little bit after the movie, and this is what we had to say. No listeners, I just watched a movie that I've never seen before. My first Weird Wednesday in forever. Is this the first Weird Wednesday he's done in a long time? I think it is. Oh, very long time. Yeah, uh, it's been a few months. Uh, the Joyce has started showing first-run movies, and the contracts usually require him to be playing the same movie all week, which uh, meant he couldn't do a Wednesday showing with a different movie. So uh, this week, Jeff Punk Rock Martin has... Uh, a movie that's been out for a little while. Contract was a little more lax, so he's able to show something on Wednesday. You all recognize that voice, I think. Who are you, sir? I am Jeff, not punk rock, Polier. How <laughs> <laughs> uh, have you been, man? Uh, I've been great. Uh, glad to be back here at the Joy Cinema and Pub for another weird Wednesday. Uh, even after seeing that, I'm so glad I'm here. <laughs> so like through the first half of the movie I kept thinking man I love this movie man I love this movie and then everything kind of seemed to come to a screeching halt for me and I don't know if I was just ready to move on with whatever story they were trying to tell but you know in the end the stop motion was pretty dope and uh, you know some of the voices were cool <laughs> uh, I did read for those who don't know me aren't that familiar when it's something at Weird Wednesday, as soon as the movie starts, the first thing I do is I get out my phone, I open up IMDb, and I check it out. This movie came um, I don't know if it came out. It, no, it didn't have an original theatrical run. Um, but it was made the same year as Star Wars. What? <laughs> it's well, a 1977 movie. Okay, so the stop motion actually didn't look awful, though. I mean, that, that held up, I thought. Uh, yeah, uh, according to IMDb, it uh, won some kind of award for the stop motion. It was actually really good. Uh, you know, it's good special effects in Star Wars? No, but nowhere near the budget. Uh, one thing they wanted to do that they weren't able to do was a pterodactyl scene because there was just no way they were going to get a flying dinosaur in this movie. Well, I mean, those are expensive to train and, you know, <laughs> so. Oh, they eat so much. <laughs> <laughs> um. Man, yeah, I, I haven't done a Weird Wednesday in forever, and it was just, it's just something cool and comforting about doing this sort of thing, and it's actually nice that we saw a dinosaur movie at Weird Wednesday, since I'm doing dinosaur movies on Saturday for the Monster Kid Movie Club. Will I even show this one? Perhaps. This one has been brought up as a possibility. Okay, there you go. So, you're going to come and watch it then on, on Saturday, right, Jeff? Because you loved it so much. <laughs> uh, Saturday, I do have my goddaughter with me all day, so... Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> so, um, I understand what you meant about being really interested in the first half because the first half of the movie it was trying so hard to be Planet of the Apes. Uh-huh. Even the way they get to the planet with the spaceship crashing in the lake and then a monster in the water, it is straight up Planet of the Apes. And they're not afraid to steal music either because when the first crew member is lost to a monster under the water, there's a bit of Jaws theme there. Not note for note, but close enough. 
Yep. But, you know, I watched something like this, and especially since, you know, I've already announced it a few places. I'm going to get back into making movies. And when I see something like this, and I see, like, that spaceship stuff at the beginning, I'm thinking, I, I want to make a model like that. I want to make a cool spaceship model that looks half, at least as good as that one. <laughs> when it was in space, I thought it looked pretty good. Yeah. Uh, when it was supposedly sticking out of the water but was a really lousy composite shot not so good <laughs> you know and, and i will give him credit for this because there were a lot of split screen you know they put the the stop motion dinosaur on the left and the humans on the right or whatever they had to i mean it, there was no way they were going to do that otherwise there were a few times though where they did have like a human character moving behind a motion uh, stop motion dinosaur and you know it, it worked I, I didn't think it stood out um and yeah so i dug it all the money from this movie went to special effects the the cast even took deferments uh in order for so more money could go towards the special effects up front uh i mean they couldn't even afford character names most of the names of the characters are the names of the actors playing them. I didn't even think about that. I mean, I, I guess I realized it when at the end when they're like, here's James Whitworth, here's Jim. I'm like, well, okay, let's... Well, oh, wait a minute. Yeah. The one big exception is uh, Pamela Botero. I chose the character name Nyla for her character. She was the second in command. Uh, the one with the white and brown uniform. Okay. <laughs> Well, to me, that, sh that shows a little bit more commitment on her part to say, no, we're not just going to call this character Pamela. Let's give her a name. I imagine she might have even come with the backstory. So let me be clear. No one in this movie is that good of a thespian. But it seemed like she put a little more effort than anyone else. I love James Whitworth's voice, though. I mean, that guy could do, like, voiceover work, and I, I would just listen. I would love to hear him, like, do an audiobook or something. I loved his voice. Yeah, Jim Jim was great. Um, also, probably my favorite character because he was the most no-nonsense. Uh, really, a lot of the conflict in the movie is between Jim, who is a security kind of guy, and Lee, who is the captain. And Lee is not trained in any way for the survivalist thing uh, and probably should have listened to Jim earlier on. Yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah, I got nothing else, man. I really don't. I feel like <laughs> I got nothing else. Well, another interesting fact from INDB is that we're not actually hearing the voice of the actor that played Lee. Oh, God. <laughs> the actor's voice was such a thick accent that they couldn't understand him and it would have been too expensive to bring him back to double zone lines so we're hearing the director's voice doing the captain's lines well i can understand having a hard time hearing him through those bust that mustache there's a lot of mustaches <laughs> a, lot, a lot of good facial facial hair there uh yeah, I don't know. I got nothing else, really, um, other than I'm glad I came. And I don't know if he's going to be able to do more Weird Wednesdays or not. I hope so, because I definitely want to make this a regular thing again for me. I don't think it's going to be a regular thing, from what he was saying. Uh, it really depends on the contract for whatever else he's showing that week. Um, so I don't think he's even going to be able to give us much advanced warning. Uh, it may be, you know, just a few days warning. Hey, we're going to have a Weird Wednesday this week. So knock on wood. Uh, as far as Planet of the Dinosaurs goes, I, towards the end, I was kind of imagining 
someone like Steve Sullivan taking this story and giving it a serious book treatment because there's the idea of a good movie or of a good story here, but the execution fell so short from the dialogue and the acting and the directing. Some of the cinematography was really nice. Um, now, you and I both laughed because uh, some of the shots were like so incredibly recognizable uh, from like Star Trek's episode Arena. Um, I have expected Ego to show up a couple times. Uh, <laughs> I was watching for the Gorn. I was watching for the Gorn. Uh, <laughs> um, so, you know, this could be done. This could be done so much better. Uh, so the idea isn't too bad. And again, according to IMDb trivia, the first screenplay was done in three days. I'm not sure there was a second draft. <laughs> it, it does have a very like Swiss family Robinson with dinosaurs vibe. And I can see that totally kind of expanded. Sure. Sure. So Steve, I know you've got nothing else going on in your, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. If, uh, if you want to see Steve Sullivan, uh, rewrite planet of the dinosaurs, uh, check out his, uh, was it pay, paysteve.com. There we go. He's not even here and we're plugging him. Listen to that. Hey, we are good friends. We are good friends. <laughs> That's true. We're such good friends. We're going to get out of here so they can finish cleaning the theater. <laughs> Jeff and I were the last two people on the theater. We were passing the recorder back and forth talking about the movie. Darby, one of the workers there at the Joy Cinema, was cleaning up the theater. And, you know, we were just kind of rapping a little bit. But after a while, we're like, you know, we probably ought to get out of here and let Darby finish her job. And, you know, we got to call it on it anyway, especially now that I've got to drive over half an hour to get home, as opposed to the five-minute ride that it used to take when I lived out in Beaverton. But anyway, as we got into the lobby at the Joy Cinema, Jeff was there with another regular attendee of Weird Wednesday. And the conversation about Planet of the Dinosaurs continued. Did I pull out the recorder to capture any of that? I was a bad podcaster. I didn't capture any of that, but I was a really good monster kid. I was a really good fan. And really, that's what this experience was about. I went into the whole thing thinking, you know what? I'm going to get this for the show. This is going to be what Monster Kid Radio is this week. Didn't get anything else. This has got to work. And yeah, I mean, I'm getting an episode out of it, sure. But really, in the end, I got to indulge myself a little bit. I got to be somebody who just got to go see a monster movie with some friends. And that's really one of my favorite things about monster movies, Weird Wednesday, the communal experience of going to the movies. It's just something special. And I'm so glad the Joy Cinema came through this pandemic relatively unscathed and we got to have that Weird Wednesday experience. So big thanks to Jeff Punk Rock Martin for keeping the lights on, finding a way to keep that projector running and popping that popcorn so that all of us weirdos had somewhere to go. Weird Wednesday. Don't know when the next Weird Wednesday is going to be, but uh, you know I'm going to do everything I can to make sure I'm there. Of course, it's not quite the same, but the Kiggins Theater up here in Vancouver does do a monthly film noir series 
And I'm going to be going to that. So if you're in the Vancouver, Washington area on Monday, February 14th, and don't have anything else to do on Valentine's Day, or if you want to spend Valentine's Day with your Valentine watching a classic film, noir film, I would love to run into you. What are they showing this time around? Cary Grant, Ingrid Bergman, Notorious. It's happening on Monday, the 14th at 7.30 p.m. Ten bucks to get in. Gotta wear a mask. But you know what? As much as I love the Joy Cinema popcorn, the Kiggins Theater popcorn, it's also just as good. It's different. It's not better. It's just as good. And I'm looking forward to that as well. So if you're going to be in the area, drop me a line or just show up and look for the guy wearing the Hawaiian shirt who looks like he's having the most fun in the room. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode of Monster Kid Radio. And guess what? (laughs) I know what we're doing next week. I already have something lined up. It's not recorded yet. Fingers and tentacles crossed that the recording goes through. But I have a recording scheduled with stop motion animator Ryan Lengel. And what are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about a Mexican monster movie that I've never seen before. It's something that he's brought up to me in the past. And we just never got around to talking about it. And then... I don't remember how it came back up, but he shot me an email and back and forth. And eventually we lined up a time to record about a movie called (laughs) Swamp of the Lost Monster. Oh, man. So this is a Mexican monster movie that came out, what, in 1957? Yeah, that's right. 1957. It did get an American release when Kay Gordon Murray got his hands on it and released it up here in the States. But it is originally a Mexican monster movie. And the movie poster has a cowboy on it, dude in a cowboy hat, got a six-shooter hanging on his belt. And when the Internet Movie Database gives you a one-sentence synopsis that reads, a disappearing body leads a detective and his sidekick into an encounter with a gill man. A gill man? Oh, you know I'm all in. So I'm really looking forward to this. Ryan Lingle and I are scheduled to record about this one on Sunday, which means that's what we're planning to do next week on the show. We'll mention this on our website over at monsterkidradio.net, where you're going to find links to everything that you've heard about this week on the show. I'll include a link to the Joy Cinema. I'll make sure there are links to everything else that we've talked about. You know what? If it's something that is mentioned anywhere on MKR, you can find it there. You can even find Amazon affiliate links if you want to buy anything that you've heard about here on the show. Doing so helps us out because we are an Amazon affiliate. And if you aren't looking to buy anything specific, start your search at Amazon by using the Amazon affiliate button that looks like the Frankenstein monster silhouette, because that'll take you to the affiliate. But, you know, I don't know how it works, but I do know that it takes a couple of pennies out of Jeff Bezos's paycheck and throws them our way. And that helps us out. You're also going to find links to our Facebook page, group, our Twitter, our Patreon, our, uh, what else we got? Discord, our Reddit. Do we have a Reddit over there? I think so. And our Twitch. Twitch is where we show movies twice a week. On Saturday, we show monster movies and we try to have a theme. And this week's theme coincidentally happens to be dinosaurs. That wasn't planned. You know, when we saw Planet of the Dinosaurs on Wednesday, I thought, you know what? It's just serendipitous, man. This is fate. Anyway, we're going to be showing some dinosaur movies and we're going to be showing Ryan Lingle's short films. He's got two stop motion movies that we're going to be showing on Saturday. So make sure you come in for that because that's going to be fun. 
I'm talking about his movies, Night of the Beast from 20 zillion years ago and The Beast from 20 zillion years ago. We'll be showing those and we're going to be showing a movie that he did some stop motion effects on. Didn't plan this. Didn't even occur to me to ask. But Josh Kennedy has recently put out a new movie through oldies.com. You know what it's called. It's called Cowgirls vs. Pterodactyls. And he gave us the okay to show it on Saturday. So make sure you come in for that. We're going to watch Cowgirls vs. Pterodactyls. We're going to watch some really cool shorts from Lion Lingo. We're going to be watching Unknown Island, King Dinosaur, and who knows what else. But come check that out on Saturday. And then on Tuesday, we've been doing cliffhangers. And I may just officially call Tuesday Monster Kid Cliffhanger Club because I'm having a fun, fun time showing cliffhangers. And at least one person in the chat told me that one of the cliffhangers we're showing right now, the Great Alaskan Mystery, is the best cliffhanger I've shown so far. Well, come and view for yourself. On Tuesday, we're going to be showing the final chapters of the Great Alaskan Mystery, as well as Holt of the Secret Service. This is at twitch.tv slash monsterkidradio. On Saturday, around 11 a.m. is when the pre-show starts and the movies start around noon. The movies go all day long. And there's a chance my sister-in-law may be tuning in on Saturday as well. Her name's Lori. She's been on the show in the past. And if she does, y'all better play nice. <laughs> um, and then on Tuesday, when we do the cliffhanger club, that starts around 3.30 with a pre-show. And then we get into the cliffhangers, the serials themselves, around 4. And then in the evening, I will come on live in most cases and just hang out and chat. I try to do that on Saturday as well. Best way to keep up to date with all of this and it really helps me out anyway, because it lets Twitch know there are people that are interested in what I'm doing. Hop on over there to twitch.tv slash monsterkidradio and just follow the channel. It doesn't cost you anything. All you have to do is set up an account on Twitch, which is free. And if you're an Amazon Prime user and you haven't already used it up, you get one free Twitch subscription a year through your Prime gaming benefit. I'm not 100% sure how it works. All I know is that a lot of people who support the channel by subscribing to it do so using their Prime Amazon membership, Prime game bonus Twitch subscriber thing, membership bonus Prime. I don't know how it works, but I do know that it's possible. So please consider giving us a follow, maybe even a subscribe over there. Like I said, next week, we're going to be talking about <laughs> Swamp of the Lost Monster. Oh, man, I can't wait for that. And then who knows what else is coming up? in the following weeks. That's it. I got nothing else. I, I had a pause there and I'm thinking I've got something else to say. I really don't. So I'm just going to wrap up by letting you know <laughs> that I appreciate all of you and that Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio LLC is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution on commercial no derivatives 3.0 unported license. Of course, that doesn't apply to the song Down and Out that is copyright 2019 Grand Rojo. It is from their self-titled album, Grand Rojo, which you can find at grandrojo.bandcamp.com. My name is Derek M. Cook. I'll talk to everybody next week. Ciao.